Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, what's up? Amir Ryder here for another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast with the owners and leaders of Punch B2B. What's going on, guys? James, Chris, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. Nice to meet you. Typically have a, a one-person format, but we're going to try this three-person format, which is awesome. Um, happy you guys. Yeah, I mean, where, where are you guys based out of? We're based, we're, I'm based in London, but um, I don't know if you realize this, Amir, but Chris and I used to be in a band together. And um, so when we, when we left school, we got signed to Columbia Records. Uh-huh. And ever since then, Chris and I kind of, we, we sort of have always done things as a, as a, as a team in a band format. So um, yeah, that's why. Uh, so now you're a B2B sales band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We like to do things differently. Which is awesome. I'm like teamwork. I'm like a lot of, a lot of the teamwork that people learn sometimes just from sports when they're young, right? And and, and it, yeah. it carries on. So you guys were – and it's Columbia with uh, C-O-L-U, right? Not, not – yeah. no, C-L-O-O. It's the production, not not the Columbia country where I live where everybody misses the spelling. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Was, it, was it a boy band? What do you guys do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little boy band. Okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong no, with we, that. Um, we played kind of, I mean, this has got absolutely nothing to do with sales, but we, we played sort of indie type music and we played um, like all over the world. We played in Japan, in Tokyo, um, all over the States, Europe. Yeah. You know, it, was, it has a lot to do with sales though, because you need reach and frequency and you need cl- customers, which are fans, right? Yeah. This is very true. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there we go. That's it. You're That's promoting it. You're promoting yourself at all times, right? Yeah, right. In fact, the, the, only reason, the only reason we're talking to you today was actually to promote the, the band. Let's see if we can get some people on YouTube. That's what I found you guys on Spotify. I found the old stuff. But I think it was Steve Schmidt who introduced us probably, right? I think that was the intro. Yes, how did you yeah. guys from going, this is the first question, right? I typically ask people, how, how do they get into the sales agency, outsource sales, B2B lead generation world to begin with? How did you guys break into that? What, what, uh, what brought you to the arena? Um, so Chris, I'll, I'll start. So basically yeah. growing up, my parents had a large B2B telemarketing business. And um, so they had one of the kind of largest in, in Europe, this sort of big call center. And when I was, as soon as my voice broke, um, they invited me to go and make some phone calls. My dad was the sales director. So That's awesome. um, on my school holidays, I'd make phone calls for him. And uh, I remember the first meeting I booked for him, bearing in, bearing in mind that they were a B2B telemarketing call center. The first meeting I booked for him was with a butcher, a local butcher um and uh i think he was quite polite about the whole thing because he went and saw the guy and there was a small opportunity of selling um pork and uh beef to um to, to trade but anyway um so yeah that's kind of where my journey my personal journey started and i think and obviously chris and i met at music school um and when we when we started the band and obviously as musicians, we didn't really make any money. We'd always go and work for my parents B2B call center when we weren't touring, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So that's, that's kind of, so it was kind of ingrained as a, for me as a, as a kind of a teenager growing up 
Yeah. Um, but then we continued that on to support the music activities. Um, Chris, I don't know if you had any, uh, if you've done any more sales outside of. Yeah, mine, of when... mine came after the band, after the band. But uh, I mean, Punch, Punch came around because, uh, I mean, originally we, we kind of set up Punch as like a sports and entertainment agency. We're thinking, let's, we've been managed, we know talent, let's, let's take that crap, let's take what was pretty reactive as an industry, the management companies we had, you know, were, were reactive and a lot of managers are, we thought actually we know sales, let's be super proactive in the sports entertainment field. And we, we did that for a number of years and was pretty, pretty successful. Um, but then realized actually it's based on commission, you, you kind of management fees, all those sort of things. It's yeah. a lot harder to kind of grow a business, scale that. So then a, a friend of a friend had some over, over kind of, some surplus work he needed to fulfill and he knew we had a sales background and said did we want to do it and all of a sudden that was a two and a half grand a month retainer we're like oh this is nice and then over then we thought hey this is so much more you know it's retained business it's safe to grow we can we can employ a team and that's kind of how punch was pretty much formed in, in, in its early inception and how long have you guys been been operating punch so V1 or V2? So V1, the sports agency, was 2012 was when we set it up. Uh, V2, uh, when it and it turned into a B2B lead gen agency, um, 2014. 2014. So you guys have been around for uh, quite quite some time. I feel like it's a whole different podcast to get into, like what happened to the, your, your family's uh, B2B call center. Is it still open? Did they sell it? Did they close it? I know it's almost going to open. Where's that at? Yeah, they sold their business. Okay, so you saw the light in the tunnel too. So awesome. So they so they have a framework. Uh, it's 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 nice hearing different stories about how people got in the industry. I do think that there's probably a lot of parallels being in a band to sales, and I do think that a lot of learnings carry over too. Right, where it might not initially sound like it does, but it, it probably does. Uh, have, it probably does help a lot. I mean, uh, I mean, firstly, firstly, you've got to speculate to accumulate, and we first met our management company on a cruise ship, this is random, but on a cruise ship. So I was actually singing a karaoke song. Um, <laughs> and uh, this guy came up to me and was like, um, do you got, you know, quite liked your voice. Do you want to have a little conversation? Because I've got a friend who runs a management company. And that's all about putting yourself out there. Um, and sales is a similar thing. If you put yourself out there, you have conversations, you meet enough people, um, then you're going to attract uh, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna attract success or whatever it is you're looking to to achieve. Yeah, no, I, I think the word success is right. I think you, I think when you put yourself out there, you do attract success. Success, and I don't think they talk about that. I don't think they talk about that enough in the world with how they teach people. That is also another podcast too. Let's get into just in general. Talk to me about punch and and talk to me about your agency. And I'd love to know you know, who you guys help the most. Like, I, I really want to drive into, like, we like to drive into that 80-20 rule, right? Everybody's got an 80-20 rule where they're, where 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of customers. It exists everywhere. It's, I forgot the name of the rule. Uh, I always draw a blank, but I just want to drill down to that, right? Because I know you guys help probably a wide variety of companies, but talk to me mainly about, like, your sweet spot. Do you guys, do you guys prefer to service service companies or software companies or both? Any any preference there, Chris? Maybe you could chime in on that. Yeah, I think it's a tricky one. I think you know, truth is, our biggest audience is B two B tech brands. Like I know that comes down to software, networking, SaaS companies, whatever. But you know, 80 percent of our business is, is technology businesses, large enterprise accounts selling 
company, you know, selling senior enterprise um, software to enterprise users at, at, at large senior accounts is, is so, pretty so, much. So, so B2B SaaS, sweet spot of yours, guys. And yep. then you guys also, when you say large, are we talking large revenue, large headcount, large funding? What do you guys define as large? I think probably when I talk about large, more the target audience, we, we, we're we very good at getting opening doors with. So yeah. a lot of our clients are going after large enterprise accounts in terms of, you know, revenue, headcount, you know, high growth, all those things. Um, and senior people, you know, we, we don't do a lot of projects where we're targeting SMEs um, or, you know, owner managed businesses. We are, we are opening doors with C-suite at big enterprise accounts. That makes sense. Uh, would you would you say that the average contract value of the companies you, rep you represent is a byproduct of that targeting where you find maybe companies that have like a $50,000 average ACV? Do you find a correlation between the average contract value and who you're targeting? Where like if you target C-suite levels at big companies, they tend to be higher priced products? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if James about talking. Looks like he's nodding. That's where the two formats. Yeah. No, work. I'm nodding. But yeah, yeah. Um, that is accurate. I mean, do you have a, Do you guys like? Where's that sweet spot? Is it? Is it? Is it? Like, what happens if somebody comes to you and they have like a five thousand dollar ACV? Do you guys? Do you guys work with companies with low ACVs, or do you find like a cliff where it makes sense? Yeah, I think the sweet spot is sort of thirty thousand. Uh, plus, I think anything mm -hmm. less than 30,000, really the strategy that we would suggest is taking more of a kind of inbound digital approach um, versus, you know, an account-based sales development approach, yeah. which is obviously, you know, slightly more personalized, slightly more labor intensive and um, relies on uh, building you know, a network of relationships with the contacts from within the DMU that you're targeting. So yeah, that's- I that, see this often, right? It, it, it is a common sweet pot for, mm -hmm. for sales agencies, right? And and it's interesting because I always ask myself, is it is it a sweet spot because it's the sweet spot or is it a sweet spot because 99% of the companies don't have a proper demand gen process and don't understand where SDRs are and don't know how to measure small deals, right? Like I almost feel like it, it's a ladder of the two where when you have a higher ACV, you know that the companies that hire you can measure those wins easier and that they probably, because I, I, you know, I, I personally, I do demand you for cloud task. We have high ACV products, we have low ACV, but I command the website. So I'm not an SDR getting measured or fired, right? So I kind of almost feel like it's like a, I feel like a service like yours has that sweet spot because the buyers don't know how to measure, but if they did that, you probably would recommend your services anyways, because you could still get an ROI, right? It's just that it's like less, uh, it, they'll go to the website, they'll download an ebook, it takes more time. Do you think that as time goes on, that companies like yours will be able to help, help companies with smaller ACVs clearer just because of how it's shifting? Like, like, like do, you, do you feel that sale, SDR work is shifting from sales to marketing? Like, or do you feel like it's on sales side? <sighs> It's an interesting question. I think that it depends a little bit as to what tactics and channels being used, um, because clearly some SDR tasks are becoming more automated. AI is driving efficiencies and, 
you could argue that more AI digital related SDR tasks could be delivered more cost effectively and therefore can help drive opportunities for people who, are, who, who have got sort of lower value um, propositions. So yeah, it's an interesting point. I, I think I think that your buyers and I think that buyers of multiple sales agencies that go after that sweet spot of 30, 50K, I think they're getting a lot of business and getting a lot of deals from the agencies that they never give credit to. That's my personal opinion. Like, I just think that you guys probably drive, you probably drive, let's say you drive like 50 million in revenue for your clients annually. I bet you it's really 65 and they're just not able to measure the website visits that you drive. But that's like, I, I can go off on a tangent on that. Because <laughs> you hear the same thing. And I, I know that what you guys do will drive business for any, because that's interesting how you answer the question. Cause there's a sweet spot ACV, but I'm like, I'm almost wondering, is this sweet spot because it's where you guys do well, or it's a sweet spot where, where buyers understand how to work with you. Right. And, yeah. and I would say the latter of the two, uh, and that's kind of what I've seen for difference. What, what would you say from like a regional perspective, do you guys prefer campaigns that are targeting UK, targeting EMEA, APAC or United States? Do you have any preference or a sweet spot that, that, you know, you guys help with these $30,000 ACV selling the sweet spot? Selling, selling the, Krista, maybe you know that. Yeah, I think we, I mean, we don't, I don't know if we have a preference as such. We're delivering sales qualified leads across the, across the globe. I think, for us as a business, UK, EMEA, and Northern US is our is our core markets. So, pretty much 60-40 in terms of our, our client split. So, 60% in in EMEA and 40 uh, across the US. But I think the tactics we use, the channels we use, they're all pretty similar. Uh, it's more around what's a client looking to achieve, yeah, you know, who they're going after, what they care about, what the message is, and that builds the the campaign, the go to market, the tactics, opposed to just because it's US, it's different from Amir. Yeah, yes, okay, there's sometimes language, you know, capabilities and and translation needed, but other than that, it's uh, around the end zone. That makes sense. Talk to me about those channels that you mentioned. Are 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 you guys? What channels are you guys working? Right, if I'm a buyer and I come to you, is there? a set standard amount of channels you guys use? Is there one you use more than another one? What do you guys, yeah. what, what, what kind of channels do you guys use? I think uh, I'd give a quick summary. James might want to add some AI uh, updates, but um, yeah, I think one of the things we see resonates best, particularly as their senior enterprise, they're getting bombarded with multiple messages from everyone. At the moment, you know, we know being multi-channel as possible gets the best results. And again, it goes down to tactics. You know, if we're targeting heads of cybersecurity or CISO at tier one banks, video probably isn't going to make the shortlist because they're not going to click on a link in a, in a message because their job yep. is to not click on a link. So again, it goes back to the audience, the, the personas. But yeah, telephone, email, video, LinkedIn, voice notes, you know, one-to-one -one personalized video, AI-generated videos. There's a whole load. And I think with the recent, you know, explosion of AI, James, I know James is a passion project and probably a, a separate podcast in itself. Um, you know, how we're evolving that with, with technology. But I think our, for us, it's all around people powered, tech enabled. So absolutely having an award, you know, award winning people and training program and the best SDR team in the, in the business, but also how we use tech to be efficient, drive, you know, drive automation, all those sort of things. Yeah. People yeah, process that's... technology, right. And people stay the yeah. same. The, the process and the tech is changing fast as yeah. you guys mentioned <laughs> Yeah, and also I just add to that um, direct mail as well. I know we're sort of, yeah. Chris, you kind of alluded to AI, but let's let's not forget the old faithful direct mail. Um, 
Yeah. I know there's challenges of people working from home, but there are ways that you can deploy direct mail as part of a, a sales development process. Um, yeah. Albeit uh, yeah. it might be slightly further down the funnel, but to build relationships, we love things like sending out cookies and cupcakes and donuts to, you know, to people that we've set up discovery calls with. Yeah. Do you guys work yeah, with Alex? In, in, I think he's in the UK. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Reach desk. I think they're a, a software yeah, platform. Yeah. So you guys work them. But I agree with you, right? It's like, it's like you have all your weapons and you and you got to bring them all to the table. And then you find the one that 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 works the best. With your ICP, do you find calls to be the most effective? Like what's the most effective? Or is it really a combination of them all, right? Is it or is it one kind of like if you had a one silver bullet, what would it be? It's got to be the phone, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if, if you look at the data, the data doesn't lie. And I'd say 75% of direct bookings with prospects for our clients or for our own outreach efforts is over the phone. Um, so the phone still absolutely works. Um, the interesting point you made earlier, Amir, is around attribution and whether... You know, do we truly understand the the impact that we're making for clients? Um, because it, it might be that actually you send an email to someone or you send a personalized video, they watch it, but they don't directly respond. They then go on the website, they then you know take see see the see the the brand at an event two months later. And all of those connections are then leading up to a point where maybe they'll get in contact with someone on LinkedIn um, who completely sits outside of our wheelhouse. So if you're asking direct data, direct bookings, it's the phone. But that multi-channel approach, um, you know, clearly will have an impact. And I agree with you. It's logical, right? Every touch, everything, it creates awareness, consideration, decision, right? I just think that we're... Unfortunately, I think SDRs that are directly hired for companies. And I think sales agencies, I personally believe, are measured on the wrong KPI sometimes. And I think that engagement and web traffic should come more to the forefront, MQLs and SQLs, because that's the buyer cycle. Until that day happens, it's exciting to know that SDRs around the world and agencies can deliver a return on sales and revenue. I would just beg to say that there's probably more there, right? Um, I think people are trying to fix that problem. Like HubSpot has some attribution, but it's, we're a long way from that. But I think that, you know, once we get there, I think it'll be just a clear win where, you know, I think that the, the I think that buyers of sales agency services will have longer relationships. And I think that sometimes relationships will be cut short just because of a lack of visibility. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that's another thing why I, I think that buyers too should always measure on uh, gross sales, gross profit and net profit. Right. Cause those don't lie. And I think oftentimes, buyers are hitting those metrics, but they don't see meetings and then they fire you. But it's like, well, those metrics came from the whole entire team. Right. Um, but yeah, we have a long way to go from there, but this is a good time to talk about buyer mistakes. Right. Uh, James, I'm guessing, do you take most sales calls or, or is Chris? Um, we actually have, we've, 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 we've been quite, um, been quite fortunate to have built our own BDM BDR function. So we actually now have a couple of people that are in-house that are doing the sales calls for us, which yeah. is really, which is really good. But um, uh, 
in terms of joining those calls, if it was to be me or Chris, actually, we we both we we enjoy selling. So, so I want to make mistakes. It right? depends. I, it I, depends I, if you want if you want the deal closed. Then usually it's going to be me. If, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that works. Well, I want to hear from both of you guys. I'm curious to know, like, what what mistakes do buyers make when looking for an agency and hiring it during a selection process? And the mistakes I'm talking about are not mistakes that affect your ability to convert them. I'm talking about mistakes that hurt the buyer's ability from finding the right agency. I, I'd love to hear those mistakes. I hope that buyers that are listening can listen and and maybe not avoid these these pitfalls. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, James. What's what, what do you, what's the top mistake that you see happen? Pay per lead. Okay. So this is my this is I mean this is just based on your experience. Our experience exactly. It's based on our experience. Um, and then the genetic experience that was passed on to you from your family. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But also we get quite a lot of clients coming to us that have been burnt through the pay per lead model. Mm -hmm. um, and then they'll come to us saying, oh, we've gone through paper lead model and we had loads of leads, but, you know, they were rubbish. And then there was an argument with the with the agency as to whether we should pay for these leads or not. And then there was a breakdown in trust. Um, and then it wasn't really a true partnership. Um, so we, obviously we operate on a resource model, but we position ourselves as a as like a partner a true partner of our client where we're embedding ourselves within their sales org and that means that we really get to understand who the salespeople are and we have like this kind of always on dialogue as to what's going on with your with your opportunity like we're holding them accountable for their opportunities as you yeah what's going on with this opportunity what's the next steps do you want us to take it back from you and continue to nurture it or are you now in a position where you feel confident that you want to go and uh, move forward to close it and you just don't get that same type of relationship when you're in a paper lead situation where you're just buying you know you're just buying volume essentially yeah no i agree with you right i think i think what we left out is just like the the profile of the buyer right where like maybe a, a publicly traded company that's ipo that has its process in its place might be a better fit for paper meeting while startups that don't have market validation or not set up the correctly could it, it has that variable but in general um i've heard that before i've seen it before and i i would i would agree that buyers that are looking for paper meeting just because they think it's something that they're getting or they're winning tend to lose on that because they're not going to hit their financial goals they're going to be the victim of a lead gen company and then wait six months to hire someone else again so it is a, a buyer mistake that they can make you know, if they're not prepared for paper meeting, if they don't have their systems in place, it, it, it ends up becoming some a situation where they're, they're not happy. Right. And, and it's cool that you know this because you get contacted by buyers that have tried it before and now they're contacting you and, and you probably wish they didn't lose the money and, and learn that experience. Right. You probably wish they found you the right, the right place the first time. So anybody listening, you know, there's nothing against paper meeting, but just make sure it's the right fit for you guys. Not that it's an emotional want, right. If it's an emotional want, probably leading yourself around the right direction. If it's down to scientific A, B, C, D, E, G, I'm not, I'm not saying against it. Chris, what about you? Have you seen something uh, different that affects buyers' ability to find the right agency and causes them yeah, to... Yeah, it's not necessarily fine, but maybe ties into a little bit what you're just saying. I think the, I don't want to say the value, but, you know, what is what is a lead? What's the qualification? So I think a lot of the clients we were, where they've been with paper lead or, you know, now looking at agencies like us, they don't understand the difference of, 
what necessarily we deliver as like sales qualified leads. And we've had a discovery call. We've taken it X far. So when they're getting these leads, 10 leads a month, nine of those are converted to deals or whatever, because they're pre-qualified. We've had discoveries, whereas paper lead or other lead companies who promise higher, they're just a cup of coffee meetings. They get 20, 30 a month, but actually the quality's not there. Qualification's not there. So it's the type of lead you're buying. I think it's really important to understand as a buyer. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure what is this company's going to deliver me? And it, is it a like for like? You know, if we do lose out on pitches sometimes, it's because the volume wasn't there, but it's not a true comparison because we would never deliver what they were, the other agency were looking to do, for example. And, and, and it's nice. I heard James, like, like how you're talking about, like you're focusing on the long term. You're focusing on the finish line. You're focusing on the the money in the bank. You're, you're focusing on the conversions, which is where your head should be at. Because, you know, anybody listening, if you convert 10 meetings at a 10% closing rate, it's better to get five meetings at a 30% closing rate, right? And we often yeah. don't focus on that because we think more meetings, more meetings. But if you're running a bad sales cycle, you're actually burning potential customers and buyers, right? So when I heard, James, that you kind of reach out, it's like you, part of your agency gets so close that you're almost doing a little bit of sales coaching, consulting on the AEs because, because you know it's what your buyers need, right? You know that it's going to affect their ROI. So you have a vision on the ROI and you know that higher quality, low volume at a higher conversion rate is going to bring the money versus a, a uh, impression of more meetings, but it's really more wasted time in account executives, lower closing rates, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's and, and, and nowadays, you know, particularly the type of clients we're working with, you know, the enterprise technology <laughs> is high ACV. They have a six, 12 month sales cycle, re realistically. So there's a hell, hell of a lot of sales enablement and work that needs to go in between that phase. Just you know, getting the meetings great, but for us, that's not where it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. That doesn't keep you guys active for five years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we want to make sure that sales guy, how can we nurture that lead? Is there a piece of content they need to, is there a challenge they're facing? We can help put together a meeting maker package or, or some cookies or whatever, because there's still a hell of a lot of work about six months from us getting the initial discovery call to them closing that deal. And to Jamie's point, where we work with them as a partner is more around kind of helping their team get the best out of that. Process. Well, you guys are experts at the top of the line, right? Top of the funnel lead generation with an expert understanding of the bottom of the funnel with your eyes on the bottom of the funnel. Sometimes your eyes are actually probably more than the people that hire you, um, which makes sense. I'm like, yeah, this has been an awesome podcast. I, lo I, I, I love um, how you guys, I, I love how you guys have a boutique agency. I love how you know who you're helping. I know how you guys are focused. And I, I, I appreciate the fact that you're, actually you know getting into the realm of pointing out the ae and giving feedback because it shows that you guys have full visibility and understanding of the sales cycle which a lot of buyers don't have um anybody who's you know obviously listening to this who's who's running a campaign in the emea or uk high ticket product thirty thousand dollars or more um i'd love for them to reach out to you where, where can they find you what's the best way for them to connect to you so either drop me or chris a message on linkedin so just search uh, james snyder punch or otherwise punchb2b.com um just go on our website and uh yeah feel free to book a call there's a discovery call call to action at the top of the the website so feel free to to, to book some time and we'll, we'll love to have a chat and what about if anybody wants to listen to your to your band? Is there a SoundCloud handle? Or something? Um, more importantly, more importantly, yeah, um, going. <laughs> there's some dodgy haircuts uh, on YouTube. So go YouTube, Winter Kids, or one word. Um, I mean, remember we we were kind of we did this in the kind of MySpace era. Um, so this is kind of pre Instagram. So uh, there's not a huge amount out there, luckily. But yeah, YouTube, Winter Kids, dodgy haircuts. 
So I love it. Guys, I really do appreciate you being on the to- on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm sure this is going to be the first of many, and we're going to be picking your brain so that buyers can just hear the real deal and get away from uh, all the fancy websites and start hearing the mistakes because what we really want is people to not lose their money and to get an ROI and, on ROS and, and uh, for you guys to have calm in your life so you guys can get repeatable outcomes for your, for your clients. So thank you so much for uh, being on, guys. Have a good Cheers, day. Man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, guys.